Welcome back to the Brooklyn Poets Yopcast for March 9th, 2020. Featuring poet Anna Bazicevich leading our workshop and kicking off the open mic. I am your host and MC once again, Jason Koo. The Brooklyn Poets Yop is a monthly poetry workshop and open mic held at 61 Local in Cobble Hill when there is not a pandemic happening. That's at 61 Bergen Street off Smith Street near the Bergen Street FG stop. For more information, go to brooklynpoets.org. This month's open mic lineup featured Tawanga Leslie, Addie Hellman, Becky Oliveira, Ree McBride, Melody Chaikali, Max Mallet, Robin Romeo, Sarah Pollard, Dan Varley, Shanice Hughes-Greenberg, Kyle Brosnahan, Kiara DeLalo, Bill Livingston, Arthur Russell, Jordan Franklin, Constantine Jones, Mike Fresentes, Kayla Schwab, Jordan Rands, Anne Hart, and last but not least, clearly by his name, Adam H. Poet. So, I know it's tough out there. Let's get right to the poems. Hopefully they will help. The Broken Poets Yop open mic for March. Enjoy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get started. How are you feeling? Yeah? You are on the list, Kyle. <laughs> uh, welcome. I'm glad you're alive. And uh, hopefully you're not panicking too much. Uh, it's, it's crazy what's happening out there. Uh, hopefully it doesn't get any worse. Uh, we will see. Some people think they're already infected. Some people are just like, fuck it. Some people are like, I'm not going outside ever again. Uh, I feel like it's good for poets, though. Great material. Um, it's very vivid <laughs> out there right now. Yeah. Uh, a co- if I'm Jason Koo, if you don't know who the fuck I am. Uh, a couple of announcements before we begin. We have uh, four more workshops that are still open for the spring. If you were trying to take Sheer Ehrlichman's book workshop, that just sold out. Uh, but we have an amazing workshop with Anna Bazicevich, which you got a little preview of if you were here for the workshop. Uh, that workshop deadline is March 29th. We have one that's right before it, taught by Candace Williams, uh, an online workshop, so you don't have to worry about getting a virus from anyone except a digital one, I guess. Uh, th- that one, I feel like, appropriately is on erasure. Uh, so uh, that's maybe something that will appeal to a lot of people right now. Uh, but that workshop deadline is this Sunday. And then we have two more workshops. There's a work- another online workshop on the sonnet with Jay Desponde, who many of you know, who's out in California right now doing a Stegner Fellowship. I think there's like three or four seats left in that one. And then our last workshop of the season on short poems with Emily Hunt. Uh, I think those deadlines are at the end of March. Big announcement about something happening tomorrow. Our Hamptons retreat registration opens tomorrow. Many of you have, well, not many of you, but some of you have been to this retreat. This is our eighth annual retreat in the Hamptons. If you don't know about it, we, uh, we've got this huge fucking mansion, real world style, out in Amagansett, New York. Uh, if you've ever watched, I just started watching that show, The Affair, which is like set, it's like set really close to where <laughs> we do the retreat. They have all the scenes in the lobster roll restaurant, which I've been to. Uh, that's like where we are. <laughs> uh, and we have a house that's about as big as, as uh, that dude's uh, father-in-law, who's such an asshole, who was uh, 
who was the guy in The Wire whose name I can't remember. It's funny that McNulty and the other, the, the white dude, what's the, what's the white dude's name? What's his character's name in The Wire? Does anyone know? Like the police? Yeah, the police Bill guy. Rawls? Yeah, Rawls. <laughs> so McNulty and Rawls are back together again on this show. I love it. Uh, but this retreat is is awesome. Uh, early registration opens tomorrow. It's $100 off during early registration, which is open for a month. If you have no money and can't, af- can't afford anything, we have four fellowships that we're offering this year. That deadline is March 29th. Uh, the teachers this year are Natalie Eilbert, Marwa Halal, Tyan Bajess, you may have heard of him, Pulitzer Prize winner, and myself, a Pulitzer Prize winner in spirit. Uh, perhaps <laughs> Futuro, we will see. But uh, check that out, brokenpoets.org tomorrow. We'll be promoting it via newsletter. If you're not on a newsletter, you want to get the announcement, just sign up for a newsletter. Okay, uh, to the open mic here, the details. You get one poem, three minutes max if you are reading tonight. Uh, we do have, I think, three no-shows, so we'll definitely be getting to some people on the wait list. Uh, keep to one poem. Try to stay to three minutes so we can get to as many people on the wait list as possible. We record the open mic as a podcast that we call a Yopcast. We have we have increased our five star ratings to thirty one since our last event. That was amazing. We were at thirty, and someone gave us one more. Uh, you know, it'll be really cool next time is like fifty more. So everyone in this room should be like, I'm so glad I was here, and yeah, I'm gonna show my gladness with a five star rating. So do that tonight. It helps uh, other people find our podcast, which just helps all the poets that read at the podcast. Uh, if you don't want to be in the recording, you don't have to be. You can just tell me. I can take you off the recording. It's no problem. Uh, we also vote for Poem of the Month at every Yop open mic. Uh, poem of the one Month winner wins free admission to a future Yop and a tote bag. I think we're sold out of tote bags at AWP, so that's why there is no tote bag on that brick wall over there. But it looks really good. Uh, just imagine our logo on a bag, <laughs> and that is it. So you will get a tote bag, but more importantly, you get a, a spot in the Poem of the Year Smackdown, which happens in December. And the 12 winners of Poem of the Month over the year compete for Poem of the Year honors, and that has a cash prize and a membership and a Poet of the Week feature. It's, you get all the spoils. So it's very exciting. The way you vote for Poem of the Month, you wait to the end of the open mic, and you vote via text message and the number, which I'm about to give you, and you're going to get ready to write down or memorize, is 718. That's the easy part, Brooklyn area code. At least it used to be. Now no one really knows anymore. 718-374-1953. 718-374-1953. I will repeat that uh, a few more times tonight. 718-374-1953. So please wait to the end of the open mic to vote. Just give me the poet's name. Don't tell anyone that is not here to vote because that just sucks. I don't feel like I shouldn't have to tell you that, but uh, that has happened before. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Okay, so before we get to the open mic, we are going to hear from our featured reader, which is Anna Bozicevic, which uh, many of you have heard. So give it up for Anna Bozicevic. Hey, you're very brave for being here with actual people. I haven't been watching the show that Jason's talking about. I was watching Love is Blind. (laughs) People are crazy. So am I. It's really good because, like, we've all felt crazy in in situations of love, and now we know that we are not even as crazy as the next person. (laughs) Um, So, okay, does everyone know what the word majordomo means? It's like a butler, basically. So this poem is called My Heart is an Old Majordomo. My heart is an old majordomo. My heart is a drum majorette 
toy soldier with a broken arm falling into the sewer. What all could happen? Riding the paper boat, Hope, out to the estuary, will we find the spring of youth in the unassuming fountain on the corner of St. Third, or condense and fade like taxicab breath? In whose sprawled out body did I make my home? Down whose blood am I rushing? The city is a heart in the middle of which there's a garden. Meet me there like the very first time, before the Apple store made us feel naked. Let's find the grail in an old sports trophy on a dying villain's shelf. When I awake from the coma, I want you to be there laughing in pajamas. I'll be the one with the bouquet from the underworld and the toy heart sipping on a rain soda, reading the rain newspaper. Um, this poem is called Strand A. So I was like riding through Nostrand Avenue and like the tiles were worn out and it's at Strand A. And I was like, oh my God, in the future, that's all they're gonna see. And they're gonna be like, was that the name of their city? Was that, was that the name of the virus that wiped them out? <laughs> so this is strand A. When you had a wet dream, the fairies stole your DNA and made a clone of you only a mermaid. Sometimes you catch her thoughts inside of you like little toes, anemones, just admit it, you love that word. <laughs> she sees a misty green cave at the bottom of the great drop-off. You see her enter an establishment in an algae trench coat. She's there to rescue you, your soul from the unscrupulous barkeep, and she outdrinks him and leaves at dawn with your soul on a little golden leash. By now, New York City is mostly underwater, but when she surfaces from the long, dark tunnel and sees the sign that used to say Nostrand Avenue, she knows she'll find you still in the same place, dreaming, while your bed slowly bobs down the city waters. <laughs> gently, she plays your, she, gently, she places your soul inside your ribcage and swims away as the flood recedes, or maybe she keeps the soul for herself because feelings are cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. Yes, feelings are cool. Uh, I forgot to mention, uh, let's be careful with this mic tonight because you know you might get spit on it or something. So. Try not to touch it. This fine gentleman here will adjust the mic for you, so don't worry about that. He's very good at his job. It's not even his job, but he just does it because, because he loves the poets here. Uh, and maybe, you know, speak like here, just project. Try not to spit. That's a lot. It's kind of just joking. <laughs> You're all very serious right now. Like, fuck, do I actually want to read or not? Do I want to drop out now? <laughs> I think you'll be okay. Uh, so this first name tonight is very challenging because I can't really read the handwriting. It looks like uh, Tawonga. Is is that how you is that how you pronounce it? Taonga. Taonga. Is it Leslie? Yes, it is. Taonga Leslie. Everyone, give it up. Hey. Hello. Hello. I had planned to do a virus poem, but then the virus poem made a guy not be able to take a trip, and then it was stuck in New York with me. So now I'm doing this poem instead, because I got something out of it. 
Okay. <clears throat> yeah, that was for the mic. That's for. Over the ocean that seemed flat from the land, I am being picked up, slammed down, and picked up again. It is exhilarating, and I also wish that it would stop. My fellow passengers and I cry out nervously as the boat surges upward, momentarily free of gravity's grip, and we scream even louder when it plummets down on water that is harder than it looks. By now we know when they are coming, weightless instants where our organs rise up and we taste the brief ecstasy of flight. But the ride doesn't end, we crash down again, grateful and surprised we are not in pieces. We are at the mercy of a relentless pleasure, too large to contain or control, like being stroked after orgasm it verges on pain to the point that I wonder if it would be more liberating to capsize, to tip over into the ocean and be calm for once. We arrive instead, like suitcases in the luggage bin. Some of us are the same as when we boarded. Others are ready to tumble out on someone's head. And I think about the warning on a bag of lays. Contents may have settled. And whether I'll decide to be in love with you again. All right, that was good. Uh, good cough. <laughs> that was your first time here, right? Yeah, that was excellent. Welcome. Give another round of applause for Talonga. Talonga Leslie. Great name, too. Uh, our next reader, is it Addie Hellman? Or Addie? Addie? Give it up for Addie Hellman. Hello. Okay. אני רוצה שהמורה שלי לצ'יקונג תלמד אותי אנגלית ואז זה יהיה כל כך קל לאפשר לאנגלית להפוך לשפת המחשבות שלי. I want my Qigong teacher to teach me English and then it will be so easy to allow English to become the language of my thoughts. But until then, I'm reading on the Sabre Hebrew books, showing off my foreignness, sharing my isolation, keeping my thoughts to myself. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, good energy tonight. This applause is amazing. Um, okay, our next reader is, and I think that was your first time too as well. Yes, give another round of applause for Addie. Um, I feel like all of our first four readers are first timers. Correct me if I'm wrong when you get up here, but I don't recognize your names. Give it up for Becky Oliveira, our next reader. Sorry. 
A breath drawn in tandem with yours, we pause. Senses suddenly are infiltrated and filled by the sweaty, salty taste of carnal expressions and the scent of a memory that never was. Hallelujah, you breathed, pressing your face into my naked collarbone that has just begun to show itself. You aren't as soft as you used to be, you murmured, as your lithe, soft, tender fingers reach up to touch my cheek, grazing and grazing until the sudden wetness makes you recoil. The bits and pieces of me that you hold so tenderly begin to melt. My body seeps into the mattress, winding itself around the red rusted springs. I sink and cannot float. Gone without a trace, without a bang or a whimper until I emerge from the other side, limbs reattaching until I am solid again, alone on my bedroom floor. The pane of glass that appears on the underside of my box spring announces the new bruises I have received appearing as a reminder of a soft touch that doesn't belong to me. A fingerprint-sized circle of purple on my cheek, on my chest, my throat, everywhere I begged you to touch, but never were you mine to feel, never were you mine to know. I shut my eyes and I open them. When I rejoin the world, I am alone, my skin is clean and pink once more, and I remember that you never were. Thank you. Good stuff. Man, it's getting hot in here. Give it up one more time for Becky Oliveira. That's your first time here, right? Yeah. Fantastic. Um, our next reader, is it Ree or Ray McBride? Ray? Give it up for Ray McBride, everyone. Thank you. Um, it's Ree. Um, so this is actually from the workshop earlier where we were, yeah, prompted nice. to write a postcard to our future self. And I chose not too far in the future. I was thinking myself in Brooklyn in five years. <laughs> Dear Ree, I hope it still feels like spring this time of year. Actually, it should be winter. There is nothing more comforting than watching the snow fall over the neon lights on Spring Street while drinking a beer. But today I remembered that I like the warmth of the sun too, and the light and feeling free and alone. You'll probably still be here because anywhere else seems too lonely. I know that can change, but for now, I don't want it to. Don't be lazy, take the train home. Or just take a car, anything that gets you home to a hot bath or bed or to say hi to Jeremy. Try to stop worrying so much. Why is it that you feel most at home in a bar? Go to Milano's, it will still be there. Ted isn't coming, but tell them to put the kettle on anyway. They don't have those hard pretzels anymore, but the dank, dark smell will be the same. Bill will have passed, but you'll remember the Blondie video and the clothes he used to find on the Upper West Side. He used to have them pressed and folded at the launder and have them wrapped in crisp brown paper. Remember that he didn't know what neighborhood he lived in? Somewhere in Brooklyn, he said, having been pushed out of every Manhattan spot. Go to, Ridge, go to Ridgewood and walk around the cemetery. See those stones that you have painted over and over. Will there still be tiny flags and artificial flowers? Will everything still be a little brighter, more colorful, and brilliant after Easter? 
Wow. You wrote that tonight? Yeah. That's not fair. <laughs> that was really good. Thank you. One more round of applause for Ray McBride. So, uh, that was nice to open with four uh, newcomers to the yacht. Thank you for coming. Uh, our next reader, you've heard her before. If you've been here, get up for Melody Chaikali. Everybody. Um, so yesterday was International Women's Day. What's up? Yes. And so this poem is kind of in honor of that. <clears throat> it's called Hey Body, I Love You Now. When I was younger, I was not kind to my body. I wanted to paint my skin a lighter shade, hoping to keep my friends like this. Finding ways to erase the exotic off of my forehead, which attracted the men looking for a rare bird. And how I wished my eyes were the color of the sky and not tree bark. I hid my midnight curls in ponytails and not the hijab of my grandmothers. I was not kind to this body, given to me by those immigrants, an embodiment of who I was too scared to be. But why did I let hate whisper in my ear to change? How was I supposed to know that the people who rejected me were the ones spending dollars to look like me? All right. Great, great ending. Uh, Alan Braverman is not here. I feel like I would have noticed him. Yeah, well, <laughs> somewhat ironic. Uh, our next reader, I think we heard for the first time last month. Give it up for Max Mallet. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. So uh, the first time I was here was three months ago, and I was a little intimidated because I generally only know how to write poems that rhyme. This is my first one that doesn't. So hopefully it's up to par. Um, it's called On the Wings of Valkyries. <clears throat> a week before the dawn can melt the Scandinavian sky, looking upon my slumbering wife, perhaps for the last time, I run my calloused, undeserving fingers through her cornfield-colored hair, knowing my open hand will become an iron fist before the sun reaches its apex in the winter sky. My broadsword weighs heavily upon my scar-laced back, my wife's figure weighs heavily upon my mind. As I finish packing meager provisions for what ought to be a fairly swift campaign to the west, I meet my fellow brothers in arms at the base of the fjord, a cavalry of braided beards, wooden shields, and thirsty steel. Let's all make the war god Tyr proud this day, men. Put your backs into the rowing, and let us hope they put up a fight this time. My growl brings a wry smile to my second-in-command's face, as he passes me a mushroom between rows, one fit to turn a man into a beast, one fit for berserking. As my temperament shifts from calm to eager and my blood comes to a boil, my sword is hungry for flesh, my muscles ache for a throat, my shield beckons to crash upon another and see if English wood is as strong as that of Norsemen. At long last, I glance upon a land bursting with the promise of grain and sustenance that our Northlands can scarcely support the very purpose of our plunder on this journey. A bell rings in the, in the distance, warning of our approach. 
I wonder if Thor himself can hear it over the rain and thunder. We emerge from the fog and quickly lay siege to the sleepy town, which is happily rich with bounty, but scarcely, sadly, without warriors worthy of our approach. We cut down men half our size and twice our age. Thin arms and brittle necks give way as does cattle flesh to the butcher's blade. I grimace in anger, knowing I won't be taken away on the wings of Valkyries on this day, to dine and fight for eternity past the gates of Valhalla with my friends, family, and ancestors. Upon returning home, I pour my share of the bounty on our table and collapse into my wife's arms, not out of exhaustion, but shame. For there were no noble warriors waiting for us on England's fertile soil, just cowards blubbering in their weak language, huddling behind their one brittle god who answered their prayers with silence as our blades sang in hacks and slices. I at long last succumbed to the night, hoping to make my ancestors prouder in the next campaign than I did during this hollow one. Thank you. All right, hope that felt okay with no rhyme. It's very brave. Fuck Ryan, man. <laughs> uh, our next reader is a Brooklyn Poets Fellow. Give it up for Robin Romeo. Um, thanks. Um, shortly after um, the Ferguson um, unpleasantness, um, there was some stories circulating about young black men, I think at least two, who were found dead in cars and uh, were set on fire. And so um, this, poem, this poem assumes that is true. Black Lives Matter is a poem, a haiku's haiku taking on civilization in retrograde. The detractor thinks dilute the black, disperse it into trace, amount, trace parts per billion. Huck and spit, hatred balled up in the throat. Three words tossed back, discordant. The black erased, all curse, no craft, while Ferguson slides back into normal, black lives murdered, burned to scant details, faithful to Lumumba precedent. Who gives permission for this rush to ash, to turn black form amorphous? Of what origin the impulse to rush to dust we fold under like blankets at bedtime into the suspect silence of earth. The impression that makes no sound inside its shell of obliviousness coddled into the lie. All is as it should be. Carry on as usual. Thank you. Thank you, Robin. Fantastic as usual. 
Our next reader, I think we heard for the first or second time recently, give it up for Sarah Pollard. Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm visiting your fair city from Madrid via Nebraska. And this poem is called Bold, like bold. Hola, cachorra, where have you been? Gone a-walking in the graveyard of wrongs done against thee? Gone preemptively haunting those doing thee wrong, wailing through the hallways, rattling chains. A whale skeleton marches somber down Calle Fuencarral. I drop my potatoes under a car, and a passing man insists on helping, somehow. But he can't, I have the bruised potatoes now. And he feels useless, holds out his hands. And today, I don't feel like a virus Spain is trying to reject. In my dream, you were sleeping, or had become something always asleep, shrunk to the size of a cat and silent. I held you to my neck, took you swimming to sea, and below us flew massive brown manta rays, sandpaper backs dancing drops of sunlight, passing just below our toes, and it was spooky and delightful. And I told you, look, but you had no face, kept sinking. A sack of potatoes divided among many hands, make a soup, make a hometown family band. But we're all broken harps banging against each other. And I'm exhausting myself with auspices. They all say the world is ending, and everything that's touched the part of my past that you were in has become bafflingly sacred. Chips of nail polish, a pearl necklace, rose-colored dust. I spin the story looking for slack. The, specif the specifics become abstract. I'm repeating myself over coffee. I'm repeating myself over a slice of Air Canada carrot cake. The words become rung of fury, but the words leave and the fury stays. I'm repeating myself over coffee. Is this just a war on boredom? A distraction from that growing black lake in the corner? A voice from it whispers, as this world goes down, the opportunists will flourish, clouds of black flies settle, pitch the kettle, stir the pot. It's some sheltering sky shit. The protagonist is flailing. The protagonist is dead. The protagonist awakens in a cave three quarters flooded with electric memories. The potatoes soften in the broth. The kettle clicks. Seems like my steaming shower head touches me better than anyone has in years. Or is it just this pre-birthday, post-equinox, drug come down, self-pity kind of melancholy? Is there any other reaction besides silent internal screaming? I'm repeating myself over coffee. I'm repeating myself over today's second spliff. I try to get wise. Become an armchair psychologist. Am I addicted to pain? Become a kitchen sink psychologist. Did I just want to be my father's dog? <laughs> Anything but this robot coquette, her heart sealed in a jam jar and thrown out to sea. Am I strong or am I off? Am I strong or am I off the reservation? And how can I be lonely with these arms all around me, with all these spoons dipping in? Thank you. With all these spoons dipping in, that was creepy. <laughs> that was a great ending. Okay, our next reader is one of my current Brooklyn Poets students. He's counting on his fingers as he writes poems in blank verse uh, every Sunday. Give it up for Dan Varley. 
Didn't know you noticed. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, that, this too. That really works. Um, this poem is a little bit about hashtag self-care. Um, <laughs> honestly, I've been trying to take a little better care of myself in the past year, trying to take care of myself just as much as I do the people I've loved in my life. Um, it's really hard. It's really, really hard um, to do. So it leads to a lot of interesting conversations at the like checkout lines, like when you're buying flowers for yourself, or um, five sets of artisanal candles, and they ask, "Who's this for?" And you want to be like, "It's it's for me," you know. So, kind of prompted a, you know, thought about a poem, and then was thinking about another poem, which is um, by Kavafi. Um, called uh, Afternoon Sun, so it kind of merged the two. Um, so it's called uh, Take Care after C.P. Kavafi's Afternoon Sun. Is this a gift? Is a question I hear now. I want to say no. It's been a hard winter. Um, and sometimes you just need to buy the flowers for yourself. At home, the late sun sprawls across the floor. Each clip of the shears, I think to myself, is a practice of love, stock made new. I can think of no more beautiful thing. After I fill the vase with cold, fresh water. I move it to where you once stood, to where you dressed, near where you laid with me. Some things you can't take away, certitudes in the air, your footprint somewhere in the baseboard still. This simple room, once blooming with you in it, Life made song, gift of a petal's weight, once resting on my chest. Thanks. Beautiful. Okay, uh, that was nine readers. Let's review. <laughs> For those of you uh, tracking your votes, that was Dan Varley. Before that was Sarah Pollard, Robin Romeo, Max Mallet, Melody Chaikali, Ray McBride, Becky Oliveira. Is it Ray or Re? Re. Oh, it was Re? Well, why did, why did you say it was right when I said Ray? Oh, okay. They're very similar. Re McBride, Becky Oliveira. Addie Hellman and Tawanga Leslie. Did I say that right again? Tawanga. Okay. I did it better that time. Um, our next reader is another former Brooklyn Poets Fellow. Give it up for uh, Shanice Hughes-Greenberg. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, hi, everyone. I'm going to read a poem that um, I wrote after it, the poem came to me in a bunch of fragments. 
but it really came together after I went to Weeksville Heritage Center, which I don't know if you've been. It's beautiful. Um, it is the site of like the first free black community here in Brooklyn. It's very overcome, very overwhelmed being there. Um, so anyway, this poem came out of that process. Um, it's dedicated to Weeksville. It's called, Every Day I Wake Up and Go to Sleep Black. Know this, we are a beautiful people. We move, skin taut against bone, caught in motion, moved by music. Has a song ever possessed you? Taken root in a place within you never knew, never dream existed. A gift from the bloodline spilled across oceans, pooled under trees. Or the time on the B-52 when an older black woman turned from the windows to say to me, white people never close, they blinds. <laughs> and walking home, I found it true. <laughs> Staring into a security I am trying to earn on my own. Has your grandmother told you the story in the yellow kitchen of your childhood, how an enslaved female relative refused to let her body become another thing owned? The same little girl called a nigger on my school bus voted twice for a black man to lead this country. My grandfather calling me in 28 to say he's never put a picture of the president on display in his home. Nisi, now it's time. When your country calls you a compromise, calls you three-fifths of whole, know this, they can never fully erase you. There is evidence of our brilliance everywhere. I'm good on any Malcolm X Boulevard listening to Slister Sledge. Everyone forgets that Icarus also flew. A white man wrote, and I loved it, knew it to be true. Thinking how we were a people brought to this land to suffer and instead became the architects. Thank you. Straight, good shit, Shanice. Shanice was a fellow at our Hamptons retreat last year. She can tell you all about it. Thank you for that. Our next, Gerald Wagoner is not here, is he? No. Didn't think so? Negative. <laughs> our next reader is a co-winner of our Yacht Poem of the Year last year. Give it up for Kyle Brosnahan. That's the right height. All right. Thank you all for coming out. You guys look lovely. It's a beautiful day out. Um, uh, this was uh, my friend Sarah Pollard's first reading, by the way. Uh, she, she read. Yeah. She's visiting from Spain. She just flew here. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I'm going to read this poem. It's called uh, Happiness Lessness. Uh, flirting with the inevitable. Second chance, same mistake. The sands of panic accrue. Our ideas of ourselves do not change ourselves like sunlight changes the seed. We are clutching at the ankles of a dream, getting dumber and deafer by the day. Our fingers forget how they should be feeling. We call ourselves human in order to live. First we start up the system, and only then do we find the flaw. Oh, the lengths will go to go no lengths at all. 
It's like trying to sculpt the wind. I'm not a natural blonde. I'm an out of control and unstoppable train of thought. I do not understand the word understanding. I have no idea what the hell an idea is to regret the future as it begins. My heart's a bomb and my mind's a fuse. Poetry's a defense mechanism. Throw a thousand lines at your mind and see what sticks. You incomplete me. What I tell myself to tell myself. Oh look, it's take your depression to work day. Can't wait to show and tell the void I keep in my pocket. Oh, to laugh in the face of laughter. To look at a dictionary and see nothing but a mirror. To force a good thing to last. So then, take a picture of yourself. It'll last longer. I am man. I am a man, mad and made of examples. I tell all my secrets to any empty chair that'll listen. My heart is dirt for the seeds of want. Always a ready answer. Oh, to scream as loud as you can inside your head. To forget what grass feels like, too. Men think they are better than worms. The only thing to fear is bravery, our ideas of ourselves. I'd rather identify with an apple, with its severedness, its rotting. Throw me in the river and take my breath away. Cleanse me like an apple before a bite. My wine-dark heart will blame it all on someone else. It's a far cry from a sob, but who am I going to talk to once I'm gone? I am my own dream girl, and there's nothing I can do to stop me. Oh, to distance yourself from yourself. Oh, to forget who you think you think you are. To mean only the words you don't say. To thank God it's Saturday. How true to be false. How false to be true. Oh, to find happiness and to push it away. All right, thank you. Good shit. Did I have that right? You incomplete me? Is that what you said? Uh... I just need Renee Zellweger to say that now. <laughs> Not that you didn't say it well. <laughs> uh, give a round for uh, another round of applause for Kyle Brosnan. He just uh, produced a play and uh, had it performed. That was last week, right? Yeah, congratulations. And he was uh, repping his Brooklyn Poets tea, which was uh, extra nice. Uh, I heard that through the grapevine. <laughs> Our next reader is Kiara DeLelo. Give it up for Kiara. Hello, everyone. How's everybody doing? Why did I have to follow Kyle again? I don't understand. Um, I'm Kiara, and uh, the poem I'm about, I'm about to read for you is a pantoum. Has anyone here heard of a pantoum? Okay, I wrote it because Patricia Spears Jones told me to. Um, and it is a Malaysian form that pretty much goes A, B, A, B, and then C, D, C, D, and then you hear more A's and more B's. And when I learned about this, I realized, like, oh, we only have this in English sometimes because the French appropriated it because colonialism. And so I just wanted to let you know that um, a pantoum reminds me of a banh mi. It's like a delicious, wonderful thing where you have one and you're like, ugh, we only have this because of colonialism. And still it's wonderful. Um, so that's my introduction. Um, this is a poem for anyone who has 
struggled to feel at peace in their own body. And it's called piecemeal. I turned inside out against myself, bending to the law of calories in and calories out. I could have what I wanted, said mom, if I wanted less more than I wanted more. I bent the law of calories in and calories out. I emptied cabinets to fill my fill. Told myself I could have what I wanted still with a day marked empty for a day marked full. Empty, I could eat my own kind of fill. I slipped into the blood-stilled quiet of days of empty for a day marked full, shedding slivers like my own waning moon. Quiet at last, blood leaden and still, I tasted tautness, sweet reward, slimmed and silver a newly minted moon, my own hungers sated, my own proof. I tasted tautness, sweet reward, mouthed that morsel, mother's tart, I told you so. <laughs> Hungering for hunger, unsated by proof, I turned inside out against myself. Thank you. Damn, that's what I... <laughs> You know when people text you that, D-A-Y-U-M, that's like, that was, that's what I had in my head. That was amazing. Um, best thing I can say about that is like, you couldn't even tell it was a pantoum. You could have just read that, and then people were like, what the fuck is a pantoum? But I know what a pantoum is, and that was uh, an amazing pantoum. Um, well done. Uh, our next reader is uh, last year's Yopper of the Year. Give it up for Bill Livingston. It's called, Ask Me About My Pronoun. I started walking pronouns for a living. I was walking my rescue pronoun one day and thought, what the hell, I can do this for other people between the stanzas. I can handle up to nine pronouns at a time. I carry extra poop bags for the they, we, and us pronouns. I walk them up Bergen Street, Borham Hill, Brooklyn, New York, USA, Planet Earth, Solar System, Milky Way, beautiful specks of dust that would be quite passing strange in the red states. All the panting, huffing, puffing, jumping little purebred and mixed pronouns eager to please their master pro tem. We take a left at the corner of science and soul search. Then they take, then take a right as they take a right. The collective they, the inhumane they, the inhuman they, the legislative they, taking right after right after right. Passing a broken mirror, my charges growl at the identical pronouns staring and growling back, signaling their history of abuse. They stop and piss like drunkards, one hand on the brick wall. Some squat between parked cars like sorority sisters on the walk of shame. Some just hold their piss for an entire lifetime. My phone buzzes, citizen's app no notification. 500 feet away, man brandishing knife during argument over stolen pronoun. Ah, Brooklyn, you never disappoint. We pass humans striking non-binary silhouettes in puffy coats. Under my coat is a t-shirt that says, ask me about my pronoun. We reach the pronoun park to play with the other pronouns. Most of them get along without incident until the theys, we's, and us's have to share a ball. 
After sufficient exercise and all the asses have been sniffed, I take an affirmative action and round them up. We, us, you, she, her, he, him, they, them, and an alternate days, that, who, whom, whose, whoever, whomever, this, those, theirs, let's go. Give back whatever's ball. I'll return all to their homes where they'll be fed, watered, groomed, and loved. All are best in show in my book. I take my pronoun to a bar that welcomes all pronouns. I take off my coat, but no one is asking about my pronoun. The walls are sexless, the floor a gray area of concrete, local fluidity on tap. I order, pay, take a seat, give my pronoun a pat on the head as my hand reaches as my hand receives a lick of loyalty. I watch the low winter sun set and redden the sky as I take the first sip. I swallow, stand, and yell. Ask me about my pronoun. He, him, it, nobody, somebody, everybody. Thank you. Right, interesting. <laughs> Our next reader, uh, adjust the mic for you when you are taller or shorter than I am. Give it up for Arthur Russell. That's so sweet. Thank you, Jason. Um, this poem is called The Number of the Beast. On the walk from Port Authority to my law office, a woman in a blue cardigan over a flowered cotton dress approached me in a practiced manner. She wasn't exactly blocking my way, but standing like a partly opened gate. She handed me a pamphlet printed on fool's cap, and she shouted at me up close and loudly, the devil is 666. The devil is 666. I veered to avoid her. But I'd already seen how black her eyes were and the dirt in the part of her hair and her bottom teeth like pinking shears and scratches from cats on her legs. When I got to work, her pamphlet was still crushed in my fist and her voice still jangled in my ear. All day I kept thinking, she's pulled me down from my horse. I decided I would write the numbers 666 with a Sharpie on my palm, walk right up to her and flash my hand like a stop sign <laughs> inches from her nose. It comforted me to imagine her horrified face. I never saw her again, but yesterday, decades later, <laughs> I remembered her and how I'd schemed to attack her with the thing she feared most. How I, in my suit, with my law degree, my top coat, a guy who got his shoes polished at the shoeshine place on the second floor of the bus terminal had been unhorsed by her. Thank you.
unhorsed, huh? Good verb. It's all about the verbs, poets. Yeah. You need to have good verbs in your poems. Um, our next reader, fantastic poet, uh, one poem of the month. I think it was, was it last month? It was, <laughs> you seem so excited. For sure it was last month. Give it up for Jordan Franklin. Multiverse of madness in te 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 Technicolor. Never been a pink girl, Sherlock. I gray-aced all your tests. Broke your Richters and Kinsey's was so ultraviolet. I shattered your spectrums with my plectrum lips. I challenged Khan with purple pens set to stun, made Dormammu's Darth knees writhe like fault lines when I roared. I pulled a Patrick Melrose and traded maternal instincts for an imagination that ran naked and green through the flat bush of my skull, learned the blackest of magic to pop brown fingers to Dr. Strange and Wong. Bolder than love, I bum-rushed Crayola out its box. <laughs> if you ever wanted to catch the colors of a universe in your hands, baby, hold me. Thank you. Wow, great stuff. I bum-rushed Crayola out of its box. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Um, okay, our next reader, another winner of uh, co-winner of Yacht Poem of the Month last year. Uh, they have a new book out called In Still Rooms, and uh, they will tell you all about that. And uh, there are no more copies left to buy because they've all been bought. But they said they will uh, ship it to you for free if you buy the book tonight. So uh, give it up for Constantine Jones. Hi friends, um, y'all are fucking awesome. Every single time I come to these, I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> Seriously, um, yeah, this, so this just came out uh, on March 4th, a couple days ago, which incidentally like, is the day that the book begins, so this is the first year that I will be living alongside my characters like while the book object is also in the world happening, and that's like really fucking trippy to me. So, um, um, without talking too much, it's basically a, a haunted house story, um, three generations of a Greek American family in a house in the South. So definitely not based on any autobiographical material, <laughs> material at all. Um, but um, so between every chapter, there are um, poems from the voice of the house, and then between every sort of section, there's a a chorus of those who have previously died in the house that address the reader directly, just like in, um, in ancient Greek drama. So I'm gonna read you the first choral ode. 
It's the very beginning of the book. <clears throat> we lived in that house before. Dad in it, too. Long time ago this was, you wouldn't remember. No, we don't imagine you'd even been born yet. If only you'd have seen it back then, you'd hardly recognize it now, that's for sure. It was a real beauty, that house, back when it was ours. Or, suppose we should say, back when it let us live there. Maybe you won't understand, or maybe we just can't tell it right. But a house like that, it don't belong to nobody. A house like that, it owns itself. And you'd be lucky to spend yourself a couple good years under its roof. At least that's how we felt anyway. And you can decide for yourself once we're done. Think about that house like many others in its time. It was a hodgepodge of styles on account of standing so long. Times came and went and families moved in and out and every decade some new little portion was added on to the existing body, each generation tacking on their own addition. But through it all somehow, the wars, the riots, the weather, that house still stood. It came up at the ground, a fresh white against the sky, and when you looked at it coming up the hill, you'd be forgiven for mistaking it, one of the Blue Ridge Mountains itself, propped up like that against the horizon. <clears throat> if you'd have asked us, back when we was alive, do you think this old house will still be here come a hundred years, we'd have never said so. But through all the additions and removals, the comings and goings, if we couldn't even tell you how many folks anymore, this house is still standing. These rooms are still here. And we do suppose we're more than a little bit proud of that fact. Maybe it don't mean much to you, not yet, but every house, it's a strange beast. A house, it's less like a place to live and more like a family itself, all dressed up in its own history, its own secrets. And this house here, it's not done telling itself, not by a mile, not done remembering, neither. We've been part of this house just about as long as we can remember, and we don't resent it, now, truth be told. We were there when the walls were white, and we were there when they got turned green. We saw the iron staircase sprout from the nursery window upstairs all the way around to the kitchen out back, the little maid scuttling up and down like a bug, rain or shine. Why, that's how old Erlene went back in her time. Remember that? Fell clean off the side of the house. Yes, she did. Broke her poor neck right there on the pavement. Isn't that right, Erlene? <laughs> we were there when they stuffed up the attic with insulation, when the walls were stitched through with electricity. We were there when they strung the lights and painted the baseboards, pulled them up, painted them again, when the pipes and the wires came through, we made room, and when the wallpaper covered us up, we just snuck inside the wood itself. Why, we know that house like we knew our own skin, and it's alive all right. Only now there's more than one life wrapped up inside, and this one it ain't like us. We got nobody left to miss us or remember, not a soul in the world keeping us here. We're only here because where else would we go, and that's the honest truth. But now there's another one here with us stuck between the walls. Here, moving about at night. We feel her like a warm vapor. We heard her when she first come. Yes, we did. Heard her shuffling up the walk and watched her come on back. Because we always find our way back. Back's the only place we got to go. She came quiet, like she'd been away a while and was testing the locks. We all felt her come back. Because when you come back, you come back to the here. Don't matter what was there when you was there or what's like to be there later on. We're tied to this here. We knew this here back then and we know it across time what it's like to become and still we stay here all the same. Here you are, he, we, here we are, anyhow. And here she was, not knowing, not knowing a single thing at all, knowing only she can't leave. And it's not for us to say whether she wants to or doesn't she, all we know is she's restless. She got to be put at peace somehow. She got to be allowed to rest. All these years and all these folks coming and going, and now somehow we got no room at all. Why don't you just come on in, have a look around, see it for yourself, why don't you? Thank you all.
Thank you, Constantine. Congratulations again. Enjoy it. Your first book doesn't come out more than more than once. <laughs> uh, one more round of applause for Constantine Jones. Congrats on your book. Um, so let's review. This has uh, been an incredibly efficient open mic. We're, I think we're going to get through everyone, which has not happened since Bill Livingston guest emceed when I was when I was getting married. So. Uh, that was Constantine Jones. Before that, Jordan Franklin, Arthur Russell, Bill Livingston, Kiara DeLalo, Kyle Brosnahan, and Shanice Hughes Greenberg. And I think, and then I reviewed the other names. I will. 718-374-1953. Uh, I will go over all the names again at the end. That's 718-374-1953. Our first reader off the wait list is Mike Frasentes. Give it up for Mike. Hello, everyone. Um, just really quickly, I want to plug that the amazing Constantine Jones is featuring at the reading series I run next Monday, 7 p.m. at the Tank. Ask me for more. Also, there is Julia Knobloch, who's not here tonight, who's an amazing Brooklyn Poets you know, standout that we all know. Um, I read this poem at a salon Julia hosted last month. I wrote it for that salon as well. Um, it's based on a true fact. Uh, here we go. <clears throat> it's called Emily Dickinson Drowned Kittens in Pickle Juice. This is true. I love learning this is true, not because I'm particularly invested in Emily Dickinson or in the particular kittens she drowned in another century and not even the last one, but because it's sensational. I love the sensational because I love sensation. I love learning facts that make me feel things other than the things I am trying not to feel. Today's gossip, Mercury's in retrograde, a friend of a friend is in an open marriage, Emily Dickinson drowned kittens in pickle juice. <laughs> and the night I learn this, I drink a pickleback and tell myself it's conceptually connected, commemorative. Really, I just want to brine this feeling, the, the shock, the newness, as if preservation isn't inimical to the notion of newness. Really, I just want to drown in pickle juice and whiskey the thoughts I deem superfluous, thoughts that are irrepressibly mewling underfoot. In brining newnesses, I'm pining to replace these whining nuisances. These kittens I have named desire and shame, or desire and shame that I have named kittens. I drink a drink I've named a whiskey back, where you chase a shot of whiskey with a shot of whiskey. This isn't true, and I say it because it's sensational to say it. To imagine a me that's one degree worse off. Thank you. Man, it almost makes me want a pickleback shot, <laughs> which I really hate, <laughs> I have to say. Uh, irrepressibly mewling underfoot, I believe was the phrase. Let's remember that as we leave tonight. Irrepressibly mewling underfoot. That's what my cats do every day. Oh, my God, do they do that every day. Okay, we have four more readers, and that is it. It's incredible. We're going to get through everyone. I, I mean, I feel like you're impressed, aren't you, Arthur? Yeah. I mean, this never happens. Yeah. <laughs> okay, just stop now. Our next reader is Kayla Schwab. Give it up for Kayla.
also been thinking about how yesterday was International Women's Day. I've been <laughs> focusing on writing poems about the important women in my life. Um, so this one is about one of my younger sisters. And I realized in hearing that poem from Mike a second time that I think I've internalized the word brine because it made its way into this poem. So thanks. Um, it doesn't have a title yet. The new year brought new brine, and we felt it creeping up on a very cold day in January. So we went to the rim of the sea, hoping to free ourselves of the prison of winter, dark days bringing darker nights, wind howling in our faces. And we howled back, shocking the sea into a slumber, the sun low across the waves. It's impossible to see past three miles off the coast due to the curves of the earth, just like a pregnant woman may not see her feet. And this bothers you, this certain uncertainty. Yet you remain calm and quiet, your usual tides, so soft and steady. You never let fear of the unknown disrupt your peace, always finding a way to navigate even the most uncharted situations. I take comfort in this consistently, knowing that I can lie on my back on the edge of this earth with my eyes closed, because you'll always be there to keep me from being swallowed. You are brave enough to recognize that some things are meant to be the way they're meant to be. And even when I drift into the sunset, you'll stand and shine, exquisite as a lighthouse. And you won't gasp when the sun disappears, but breathe a sigh of relief, so acutely aware of the innate passage of time, thinking of how much we've grown since the days we built sandcastles and somehow dug ourselves out of holes that were clearly too deep. And you still go walking for shells with me, brushing the sand off the broken ones to uncover their beauty, a reminder that it's okay to feel broken and incomplete sometimes, for the softest sands have been tossed by the roughest waves, and they find their way back to the shore, eventually becoming a safe place where everyone wants to pause and lie on their backs so that they can feel the calmness too between these jagged parts of the world, the sounds of crashing waves like an ancient lullaby, the one you keep alive simply by breathing. For you, like the moon, while not always visible, are infinitely pulling me back to shore. Thank you. That was really nice. Thank you, Kayla. <laughs> it was so soothing. Uh, we have three poets left. Uh, I believe the next reader is it Jordan Rands. Yes, give it up for Jordan Rands. Hello. Uh, yeah, thank you. I guess uh, this poem is kind of about how it felt three weeks ago, once. Um, it's called This Transitional Space. Yes, I am a hard-hearted, amorous salesman or wife, incapable appreciation. This parted eye now loves totally devoured homuncular heads scalped up on designer Control-Alt-Ts, night conversations about nothing, nothing other than goals in mind, 
Let's get out there and use again. All modern devices that conceive our intrauterine technologies, our this electric elixir, this American life, our fellow sexaholics with their glory whole. Give high praise a radical jest, our new name for God, came into the likeness of my own understanding through portable formats, through ancient abilities. Our rights disutterment is how, mnemonically embedded and formulaic, joy suspends in scholastic punishment as if detention inhales bong rips back to belief. Okay, that was cool. Interesting. That's your first time here, yes? One more round of applause for Jordan Rance. Welcome. Uh, our next reader looks like the same person wrote it in the same handwriting and the same pen. <laughs> Is it Ann Hart? Is that you? Give it up for Ann Hart. Today, um, <laughs> yeah, just today. <laughs> it's called Night Moves. Last night it was morning in my backyard. We had a hug, kissed with tongue, like a beginning after all. I said, take the truck, and met you again on the front porch, naked but for a towel, like a joke. We kissed seven more times before you walked, looking back and happy through the orchard. Well, <laughs> that was interesting. Uh, seven, uh, you counted the kisses. Why is there this uncomfortable silence right now? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not going to say anything. I just thought that was super interesting. <laughs> I don't think I've ever counted the number of kisses. That, that whole scene was so fascinating. There is no embarrassing crap going to come out. How dare you, Arthur? Um, our next reader is it Adam Holabeck, but you've spelled your name Adam H. Poet. Is that how you want to go by now? Okay, give it up for Adam H. Poet. Good evening, everybody. This one is called Whistling. 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 I seek to find truth in knowledge, a quality in disrepair, a rarity once uttered among the musings of first-class passengers riding the waves that no one remembers. That face you ran your fingers down. The touch bringing xylophone sounds in different notes upon your cheeks as vacuous notions of blue flame resound. But somehow now we remain the same. Rephrase those nerves in your body that pulsate hate in the name, agonizing shame. 
around like gospel of notes high upon sufferings of human insane, rife in fear of capture, a life on the edge of passing and facsimile remain. Worse than death of psyche germane, a reality of existence, a surrender of mind, refracture, retrain, be kind. One fell upon us like an apple from jobless trees, malformed by the icicles of frozen decay amidst the high price of weeds. It wonders how far I will exist in this reality of blunders, this pain maintained by malice and fame, the same as me reverted smaller by the frame, a true humbling flame hovered above gravity in dexterous clarity, suffocated in vanity by the hot sand, whistling. Whistling, whistling. Thank you. Okay. There was no whistling in the poem, though. I thought you were going to whistle at some point. Oh, thank you, everyone. Great job. Okay. Wow. That was, that's the, I mean, I feel accomplished. That's the first time I've gotten through the entire open mic list since like the first yop ever in 2013. Okay, let's review. That was Adam H. Poet. Before that, Ann Hart, Jordan Rands, Kayla Schwab. I'm just going to point at everyone now. Uh, Mike Frasentes back there with the mustache. Constantine Jones with the book somewhere here. <laughs> Jordan Franklin over there. Arthur Russell right here. Bill Livingston. Kiara DeLalo, where did you go? Over there in the black. Kyle Brosnahan in the Hawaiian shirt. Shanice Hughes-Greenberg, where are you? In the fantastic dress, by the way. Uh, Dan Varley standing up with the glasses. Sarah Pollard, can't remember, there, right there. Oh, thank you for the kiss. That was so nice. Robin Romeo, where are you? Right there in the hat. Max Mallet, the tall guy. There, where did you? He's over there. He's tall even as he's sitting down. Uh, Melody Chaikali, right there in the tame and polished shirt. <laughs> Ree McBride, can't remember what you look like. Where are you, Ree? Oh, right, she's right in the front. Uh, Becky Oliveira, right there. Addie Hellman, where are you again? Addie Hellman, did you leave? Addie Hellman? Addie Hellman, did Addie Hellman leave? Let's just appreciate that moment. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the first time that someone's read for open mic and then left. And uh, Taunga, Leslie, right there in the fantastic jacket. Uh, the number to vote, 718-374-1953. Just give me the name of the poet. Spell it as best you can if you're not sure how to spell it. 718-374-1953. Does anyone need that again? No? Uh, our next yop is in April. Does anyone know the second Monday of April? Is it April 11th? The second Monday of the month. Is it the 13th? Uh, 13th, yeah. 13th? April 13th. Uh, the professor is to be announced. We're going to figure out who it is. I've been emailing a few people. Uh, and remember tomorrow, the Hamptons Retreat registration opens. You definitely want to check that out. Uh, the retreat is June 19th to 22nd. It's from. Oh, well, you definitely have to come. It's from Friday. Friday. It's like a long weekend, Friday to Monday. And, uh, yeah, definitely check it out. It's a beautiful house. I don't really have anything else for you tonight. <laughs> uh, please take your cups and plates downstairs. Uh, check out the Yopcast, 718-374-1953. Thank you for coming. Be brave out there. 
Stay alive. We'll see you next time. Wash your hands, yes. There you have it. The Brooklyn Poets Yop Open Mic for March 9th, 2020. That was the day before the shit really hit the fan. Pretty much starting on March 10th, the world started to close down one massive institution after another. And uh, just two or three days later, the world looked very different. And we started to move all of our workshops online. Thanks to our brilliant professor, Anna Bazicevic, for leading the workshop in March. Uh, Anna is now embarked on her six-week course on the same theme, Poetry and the City. It's an apt time to write about the city because uh, nothing is happening in it. So you might as well imagine it in the way that you really want it to be. Uh, That workshop is now, as I said, online. They are meeting via Zoom session every Sunday night for two and a half hours and having a great time. Congrats to Shanice Hughes-Greenberg, former Brooklyn Poets Hamptons Retreat Fellow, for winning our March Yacht Poem of the Month for her amazing poem, Every Day I Wake Up and Go to Sleep Black. Shanice has earned free admission to a future yacht and a Brooklyn Poets tote bag and a spot in our 2020 Poem of the Year Smackdown. Our next yacht will not be held at 61 Local. Because, as you know, everything is closed down in New York City, except essential businesses. So we will be hosting that virtually via Zoom session uh, on April 13th. Did I mention it was April 13th? We will be doing that at the same time. Uh, And what is really exciting is I just found out that uh, my former teacher, Edward Hirsch, is going to be joining us as a special guest to teach our workshop. We are going to team teach it together. Uh, I would say this has long been a dream of ours, but it hasn't until like 10 minutes ago. And I've realized it is a long-held dream of mine to team team teach with Ed Hirsch. So that will be happening. Mark your calendars, April 13th. We will start the workshop at 7, shortly after 7, once everyone settles in. And we will hold the open mic as usual uh, at 8 or a little bit after 8. We're still working out the details. We're going to do some trial run with our staff. Work out all the kinks. Uh, the one thing about this yacht, besides it being our seventh anniversary yacht, and besides it having the extra special guest in the house or the virtual house at Hirsch, it will be free. So uh, no need to pay, but we're going to be accepting donations on behalf of 61 Local, our usual host, because they are holding a GoFundMe right now to uh, raise funds for their staff who I'm sure needs it during this time. So we would like to uh, offer them our support because they've been letting us do the op at their uh, venue for uh, the last seven years, since April 2013. And they rented to us at an amazing nonprofit rate of $50 a month. So they are definitely about the community and we are about supporting them back. So if you are around April 13th, uh, join us on Zoom. We'll be posting all the details on our website and sending it out. Uh, via newsletter next week look for those details hope you're safe hope you're healthy and your loved ones are healthy stay calm don't go outside unless you really need to Uh, don't think nothing is happening out there because uh, it seems to get worse and worse every day at least the news does so uh, be careful 
uh, try to do your part to uh, flatten the curve, as they say. And hopefully we will see each other again in person uh, in May. And if not in May, <laughs> uh, as soon as we can after that, uh, as soon as it's safe. All right. Take care.